Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here. You look so rested today. Do you get an extra hour of sleep? Does that help a little bit? <clears throat> My wife decided that she was going to clean out the garage at 5.30 this morning. Didn't really help very much uh, on my extra hour of sleep, so uh, that was it. But anyway. Hey, uh, next week, we uh, I'm going to be teaching a class called the Partner Class. And if you uh, have accepted Christ and uh, you've been baptized, and you're kind of thinking like, hey, what's my next step? Uh, what I would encourage you to do is to take this class. And so it doesn't necessarily commit you to anything, but you'll kind of understand more of what the jar is about and how we can uh, connect and uh, grow in that relationship. So next uh, Sunday, after the second celebration, uh, lunch and child care is provided, and um, you'll learn how to use your uh, talents and resources uh, and gifts to be able to serve the church. So um, think about doing that, and uh, we'll be done by 2 o'clock so that you can see the Colts or whatever your favorite team is uh, later on. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, we have a lot of great men in our church. And uh, this last uh, Wednesday, we launched our men's life group. And uh, we had 27 men uh, that actually came. So, yeah, that's really cool. And so if you're a man and you... uh, aren't doing anything on Wednesday and you don't want to cook, uh, six o'clock we'll be at Young's title and, uh, we're learning how to fight the battles that kind of matter most. And so would encourage you, uh, to be a part of that. Well, uh, let's pray and, uh, then we'll dive into the teaching this morning. Let's pray. God, we, uh, really do want to be led by your spirit today. And so we ask God that Um, you would come and we know that you're already present. So would you just help us to tap into your spirit? And I pray for each person here today, God, that the um, greatest need that they have, that you would uh, meet it and that your Holy Spirit, God, would encourage us, challenge us and convict us uh, to give more of our life to you so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we uh, started our new series called Fight. And basically what we've been looking at is the story of an interesting character in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Samson. And if you weren't here last week, let me just catch you up just a little bit. Uh, Samson's story is in the book of Judges. And Judges is in the Old Testament. So if you want to read it this week, you can. It's in Judges 13 to 16. And basically, his story begins by his parents uh, bringing uh, their son and saying, we are dedicating our son to God. And uh, Samson was dedicated to God, and God gave him a very special gift. He gave him supernatural strength, muscles, bulging, a really, really strong kind of guy. And uh, God chose him to go and to fight off or to defeat the enemy, which was called the Philistines. 
So Samson has this supernatural strength and he has all the potential in the world to be the man that God called him to be. However, there was only one problem and the problem was this, is that Samson finally decided that he would rather follow his own plan rather than God's plan. And he walked away from all of the God-given potential that God had given to him. And he led a life that had a lot of self-destruction. And he made some unwise choices over and over again. And he had an attitude of kind of three things that we talked about. Of lust and entitlement and pride. He kind of walked through life like this. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. And he walked through his whole life like this. Well, he couldn't handle it. And we find this very strong man become very weak. So we're going to look at some more of Samson's vulnerabilities today. And the kind of the big idea that I want you to get this morning is this. It'll come up on the side screens. It's the first fill in the blank in your program. And it's this. That Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. He was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. Let's all kind of say that out loud together in unison. One, two, three. Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. Almost every man I know, including the guy who's standing up here right now, has often been led more by my emotions than the Spirit of God. Now, when we think of ourselves and our emotional selves, guys don't like to think of themselves as emotional. Women are emotional, right? Not men, women are emotional. But the reality is we're all emotional and God gives us emotions. They're not bad. It's just that our emotions shouldn't be the driving force of our life. Now, the way that men and women process emotions, though, is very, very different. When a woman gets upset and she has to process that feeling of being angry, what do, what do they do? They talk. They talk, right? And then they talk and they talk. They talk, and if they're good enough, they talk a little bit more. You know, they just keep talking. Um, A few weeks ago, I was getting ready to go to work and uh, told Jen, I said, hey, what are you doing today? She was off that day. And she said, well, I'm going with a girlfriend, and we're going to go to a coffee shop, and we are going to talk. And before I could, like, think, I was like, why? Why? And she's like, well, you know, I've just been going through some stuff and I just feel like that we just need to get together. We're going to drink some coffee and we're going to talk. And if everything goes well, we're probably going to go get our nails done after that. Now, guys, in my entire life, I've never picked up the phone before and said, hey, Joe, man, I really need to talk. I'm going through some stuff and can we go get some coffee together? And um, if the coffee works out well, maybe we'll go get our nails done together. You know, like that has just never gone in, on in my life because if that happened, I would no longer have a friend. Right, guys? They'd be like, dude, get out of here. You know, we don't want anything to do with you. Well, you see, men were different and men typically act 
rather than talk. We just don't like to talk as much. Now, question for all of you guys, be as honest as you can. Here's the question. How many of you would admit that there has been a time in your life where you allowed your emotions to lead you to do something that you shouldn't do? How many of you have ever been led by your emotions before, okay? Men, okay? Any man that didn't raise their hand, what do we call them, guys? Liars. Liars, that's right. They're liars. Because every single man has been led by an emotion to do something they shouldn't do. Uh, when my wife Jennifer and I uh, were pregnant for our oldest daughter, Jordan, uh, we went on a vacation with my side of the family to Orlando. And one morning we got up and we were getting ready to go to SeaWorld. And in the vehicle, I'm driving and my dad's beside me and my mom and my seven-year-old nephew and uh, my wife are all in the back seat. And we get on uh, Interstate 4, we're heading to SeaWorld, and all of a sudden we get stuck in traffic. And it is a snail's pace. And what should have taken 15 minutes actually had taken an hour, and we had only moved about a quarter of a mile at most. About this time, from the back seat, my wife Jennifer says this, Honey, I've got to pee. To which being a very loving and compassionate and caring pastor and husband, I said these words, Just hold it! We're almost there! Now, I'd never gone through the pregnancy thing before, but if a woman is pregnant and she has to pee, you should move heaven and earth to try to get her to a restaurant. So she goes on, she says this, Well, I've been holding it uh, since we left. And I kept thinking to myself, Well, why didn't you pee before we left? Like you wouldn't have had to hold it, you know? And again, very compassionate and loving that I am. And so we're in the midst of this traffic. And now it's been an hour, another additional hour. So two hours in a car, we finally get to an exit. We come up toward the exit. And then I start hearing Jennifer even more so. I've really got to go. I've really got to go. Tears are coming intermittently. Tears are falling now. I get to the exit. I fly up the ramp as, as fast as I can. I get to the little exchange. There's nothing there. No restaurants, no gas stations, nothing. I look to the left and this is what I see. Nickelodeon, you know, And I'm thinking, well, Nickelodeon is for kids. They definitely got a place for you to use the restroom. So I fly up to the Nickelodeon Resort, and there I'm met by a guy who is the guard with a gate across. I pull up. I roll down the window. He says, you checking in? Of course, I lied at that point and said, yes, I'm checking in. He said, well, can you give me your name? And I was like, oh, dude, I said, I'm sorry, but my wife's got to pee. You know, we just... And he was very straight. He's like, well, you can't go in here. You're going to have to back up and you'll have to find somewhere else to go. Now, at that point, I'm thinking to myself, again, in a very pastorally way, I've got three options at this point. One, I can beg. Like, I could just beg him. Oh, please, please, please. Two, I could back up and I could go find another place and she could use the restroom. Or three, I could go off on it. Guys, which one do you think I picked? Exactly. Three. I'm not proud of it, but it happened. In my best pastor's voice, I look at him and I said, my wife is pregnant. She's in the back. If we don't get up here to use the restroom, I'm going through your gate and I'll use the restroom anyway. 
At that point, just very stoic, he says, well, sir, you can do that if you want. Immediately, when you do that, there will be security that will take you down. They will put you in handcuffs, and then you will be arrested, and your wife will pee her pants. (laughs) At that, with my seven-year-old behind, you know, and my mom and dad and my wife, and they're all panicked, I slam on the steering wheel. I back it up as much as I can. I let the uh, tires squill. I peel out. I come up. Literally, right beside Nickelodeon is a gas station. We go there, Gen P's, everything's good. Now, here's the problem, guys. That whole story, the problem was this. I was emotion-led, and I allowed my emotions to control me rather than God's Spirit. And men, we often do ungodly things when we allow our emotions to control us rather than allowing God's spirit to control. We want to do right, but we just let our emotions take over. I don't know how it works for you, but it, this is the way it works for me. It just happened last night, actually. Uh, my children got my wife upset and they got her upset. So then I got upset. And when I got upset, I let them know. That I was upset. I kind of had one of these moments where I went off on the kids. Tears came up. I'm like, who cares? And, uh, you know, I'm doing all this kind of thing. And then finally it hit me. Dude, you're getting ready to teach tomorrow about anger. And look what you're doing. Now, my pride in that moment wanted to say, I'm the parent and I'm right. And I didn't want to apologize. Maybe that works for you sometimes. You say something stupid. And you know that you should apologize. But because of your pride, you just don't do it. Or maybe you drive home after a long day of work and you realize that you need to engage with your wife and with your kids. But you think to yourself, man, my, my head is fried today. I don't have any emotion left whatsoever. And so you go off into your man's cave away from everybody else. And you get the remote out and you start clicking back and forth. You're emotion driven, not spirit led. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament and is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, he says this in Galatians. He says this. So I say, and how does Paul say we should live? So I say, live by the, what's it say? Live by the spirit. That's the way we should live. And if we are led by the Spirit, what will we not do? What's it say? You will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. Verse 17 says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do... What do you not do? Last four words. What's it say? You do not do what? (laughs) Do what you want. The problem with so many men is that we're so emotionally driven rather than being spirit-led. And this is exactly what's going on in Samson's life. Again, if you missed last week, Judges 13 to 16, you can write it down, you can read it. So Samson, this is his story. He pursues a woman who God does not want for him. Because she worships a false god. 
a Philistine woman. But Samson's a man. And he's like, I want to marry her. And I don't care what my God says. I don't care what dad says. I don't care what my mom says. I want her. So he goes to his bachelor party. He's drinking. He's thinking he's big and bad. He's showing all of these enemies, the Philistines, who he is. And all of a sudden he says this. Hey, guys, uh, I'm going to give you a riddle. And uh, if you can't figure out that riddle, you owe me 30 pieces of clothing. But if you do figure out that riddle, I owe you 30 pieces of clothing. You see, if you ever get more than two or three guys together and they're around each other long enough, they start betting about things. Bitch, I can spit farther than you can. Oh, yeah? Well, I bet you I think, uh, you know what? I think what I could do is jump higher than you can. And pretty soon there's a wager, there's a bet that's going on. But the problem with Samson is that it was the most stupid bet to take. Because what happens? If he loses, he has to give them 30 pieces of clothing. But if they lose, what? They only have to give one per man. Dumb bet. And then he says this, I'll give you seven days to figure this out. Dumb. Why didn't he give him like seven minutes or like, you know, one hour, but seven days. And here's the riddle in Judges 14, 14. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. Now, what's Samson talking about here? For those of you who were here last week, what did Samson destroy? What kind of animal? A lion, right? What kind of animal did I destroy? A possum. That's right. Um, you'll have to listen next week. Yeah, some of you are like, whoa, I got to hear that, you know. Um, then later on, what did he scoop out of the lion's mouth? Honey. Even though he promised God that he would not touch dead things, He went back on his word, and in a moment of weakness of his will, he scoops up a whole uh, handful of honey. So in the riddle, what he's talking about is this lion that he killed and honey that he scooped out of his mouth. But for three days, folks, the Philistines could not figure this out. They couldn't get the answer. At this point, being men, these Philistines get ticked off. They're angry. They're going to lose this bet. So what do they do? They go to the woman who is going to be Samson's new bride and say, trick him. Get the secret out of him. And if you don't do this, we're going to burn you and your father to death. So the bride goes to Samson and she used one of the greatest weapons that women have used since the beginning of time. It was the exact same weapon that... My wife, Jennifer, used in the back seat to get us off the exit. And what does she do? She cries. I mean, I had three little girls. Well, two little girls. It depends on, I guess. She's not here today, so don't tell her. Um, But I have three girls in my house. And if they cry, I mean, man, I'm like putty. You know what I mean? I just, I'll do whatever. Well, the scripture says this, that he 
uh, has this woman who actually cries for seven days. She cries for seven days long. You don't love me. You don't care for me. You don't want anything to do with me. Just tell me the riddle. And so finally, Samson's like, fine, I'll give you the riddle. And he does. And she goes and she tells them. Verse 18. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, here's the answer. What is sweeter than what? Honey. And what is stronger than a lion? And Samson is ticked. He's like, how did they figure that out? He's so mad and he's angry. He's lost and he's embarrassed. And through his embarrassment, he gets angry. And this is what he says. If you had not plowed with a heifer, you would not have resolved. You would not have solved my riddle. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Like, think about that. If you're a guy, that is the dumbest thing in the world ever to say. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Guys, two things here right now I want you to know. First of all, don't ever let another man plow with your wife. Just don't do it. Don't ever let another man plow with your wife. And secondly, this. Don't ever call your girlfriend or your wife a heifer. Like, just don't do that. Well, Samson caves into the weakness uh, that so many of us have, and he reacts with emotion rather than responding to the Spirit of God. He is emotion-driven, not Spirit-led. And this incident leads to two more kind of incidents that often take strong men down, and I bet all of you can relate because the guy on the stage can. The first one is this, anger. Samson burned with anger. Samson burned with anger. Verse 19 says this. Samson went down to Eskelon, struck down 30 of their men, Philistines, enemies, stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. So Samson gets ticked off and he's mad and he's angry and he goes out and he kills 30 innocent men and he takes their clothing. Scripture continues. Let's read the next three words together. Just the first three words here. What's it say? Burning with anger. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house and Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at his wedding. Now you might be asking, well, what's happening right here? Well, Samson lost the bet and he loses the bet and he gets like really, really ticked off and he gets angry. And when this happens, what he does is he goes out on this killing spree and he kills 30 innocent men. But the wedding is still ready to go. And so the bride's father sees this happen. He's like, I'm done with this dude. He's not going to marry my daughter. It's embarrassing. Well, in this day, a dad, it was not uncommon for them to choose who the daughter was going to marry. So he gets this other guy. He's like, no, no, no. Samson's done. You're marrying her. You're in. And that's exactly what happened. Well, Samson comes back to 
the wedding party. And I don't know, but I think if you already killed like 30 people, you're probably not in a great mood. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, you're real excited. So he gets back there. But when he learns that his future father-in-law has already given his future bride away, what do you think? Is he happy? No, he's in a rage. This is what he does. Because he has supernatural strength given to him by God. He collects 300 foxes. He takes 150 of them each and he ties their tails together. He puts a torch in the middle of their tails and then he lets them go into the crops of the Philistine people. Chaos ensues. 150 pairs of fox running in and out of the crops and they start to get on fire. And Samson burned all of their crops down. Well, when the Philistines find out about this, how do you think they're feeling? Are they like, whoo, bonfire, look at that, we weren't invited. No. When they find out, they become furious. And they went and they burned his bride to death and her father as well. Killed them both. And Samson's emotion-driven anger cost him what was most valuable to him. And men do that every single day. Their anger gets the best of them and they do something stupid that costs them the people around them that are the most valuable. Men, for many of us, what happens is when something happens, our immediate default is anger. For example, if I get embarrassed, if you get embarrassed, and I'm feeling embarrassed, I'm not only feeling embarrassed, though, what, what else do I get? I get what? Angry. I want to get them back. They just embarrass me. I'm going to embarrass them. I'll show them. Now back to the story. What did Samson really have to be angry about? Like in this story, what did he really have to be angry about? I mean, he's the guy who chose to marry the wrong woman. He's the guy who decided to go against his parents' advice. He's the guy who threw out the riddle. He's the guy who uh, gave the secret of the riddle. He's the guy who left his wife at the altar to go and kill 30 men. And he's the guy who burned down the crops of the enemies. In other words, he's mad at the world, but the reality is most of the mess is his own fault. And guys, this is where many of us get. We get mad at the world. We're mad at everything around us. And we end up living like this. We're angry at the world. We should, though, be angry at who? At ourselves. I have a friend of mine who, uh, during one season of his life, he was just tired of his boss. And every time you'd get around him, you know, just would complain about his boss. I hate my boss. He's a jerk. I'd like to take him out. He doesn't know what he's doing. He makes uh, all kinds of money. And he's not giving us any money. And I should have a house like his. 
I'll never forget that day. I should have a house like his. And one day, he embezzled thousands and thousands of dollars. And I met him in jail. And I remember seeing him in jail. And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, my boss did this to me. And I looked at him in the face and I go, dude, your boss didn't do this to you. You did this to you. And the only reason you're mad is because you didn't get caught. Or I have several guys who will come to my office sometimes. Maybe they're struggling with a relationship with uh, their wife or they're struggling with a relationship with their girlfriend. And they'll come up to me and I'll be like, hey, what's the problem? And often this is what will come out of their mouths. Well, she just doesn't give me enough sex. It's a problem with our marriage, man. She just doesn't, you know, she doesn't give enough sex. And almost every single time, I, I can tell the reason why the wife doesn't want to heat up the bedroom is because they haven't heated up her emotional being for weeks or months or years. And then he walks in like Samson going, hey, look at me. Well, no woman wants to see that. They want to be cared for and loved in that way. Or how about people that say, I'm mad at God. I'm just mad at God. The reason that I'm in this place right now is your fault. It's your fault, God. But the truth of the matter is, is you are where you are because of some unwise decisions that you've made. And you're just blaming God. God, guys, instead of blaming other people, instead of blaming God, why not just do something simple? Own it. Own it. So many times in my life, something goes down and I start blaming everyone else. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's that person's fault. Oh, it's the kids. It's the wife. It's, it's someone else. But the real thing is I need to look in the mirror and go, no, that's on me. Like, that isn't on anybody else. That is on me. My anger got out of control. I wasn't spirit-led, and that's on me. So, guys, today, maybe you have to do some apologies. Maybe you need to go to your kids, like I did last night, after acting in not a loving, godly way to them, and said, hey, guys, your dad's wrong, and I'm sorry. And I want to be the kind of daddy that loves you like Jesus does. And I didn't do that tonight. Will you forgive me? Or maybe for some of you, you need to go to family or to friends and say, you know what? I haven't been respectful of you at all. I've been taking advantage of you. I've talked about you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Or maybe you need to apologize to your wife or a girlfriend and say, you know, I've been taking my frustrations out on you and I'm sorry. And guys, let me say this. Don't make excuses. I've done this before. Well, Jen, you know, I'm sorry for the way I acted, but you know, you're really the one that kind of like got me going and no, 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 no. All of a sudden you just wiped everything else. You own it. You own it. Will you please forgive me? I want to be faithful. I want to be spirit-led. I don't want to be emotion-led. I want to be a husband that honors you. I want to be a boyfriend that honors you. And ladies, if your man goes to you in this humble kind of way, don't be jerk woman and be like, whatever. Whatever. 
If he humbly comes to you and he's trying to be led by the spirit and he comes to you in such a humble way. Don't do that to him. Don't you dare do that to him. If a man comes to you like that, you forgive him and you love him. You love him up to God. Don't tear him down because he will never come to you again if you do that. And the more that you do that over and over again, the less likely they'll come. If he tries to be led by the spirit, he's doing something that takes courage. Then lift him up, embrace him. So the first thing that he struggled with was that he burned with anger. The second thing Samson was filled with was pride. He was filled with pride. So Samson's burning with anger. He's got this strength from God. It's not his own strength, but his physical strength came from God. And look at what he does. Verse 15. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey... He grabbed it and he struck down a thousand men. Samson is cocky. He's like UFC fighter times a thousand plus God's strength on top of that. He's tough. You know, I was thinking about it this week. I think I could take out three high school boys. Like take three of them, put them in front of me. I'm taking them out. Now, I don't mean the big ones. I mean like the real, like the ninth graders that, you know, have pimples all over their face. They, they can't even hardly walk very much, you know. That's what I'm talking about. Not four, just three. But here's Samson. It's like not three, not four, not ten, not twenty, not a hundred, but a thousand he takes out. Under the power of God. Because this is the thing. If you are connected to God's spirit and you're connected to God's power, there is nothing God cannot do. There is nothing that is impossible for you when God's power is working through you. But look at what he tries. Look who takes credit for what he just accomplished. Verse 16. Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone. What's the next word? I have made a donkey's of them. With a donkey's jawbone. What's it say? I have killed a thousand men. Samson is so full of pride. He's forgotten who it is that gave him the strength to begin with. I mean, why is it that you and I battle so much with pride? Hey, look what I did. I mean, just look. Look what I did. I mean, you know... Aren't you impressed by what I just did? What do I need to do to win you over to realize, look at what I did. Sometimes I'll just mow the grass and Jennifer won't say something. I'll be like, hey, you notice what this grass looks like? I mean, J. Crew doesn't have anything on me. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden we have this pride of, hey, look what I did. I want to be recognized. I want to be noticed. Now, if pride were a coin, if pride were a coin... There'd be two sides of it. And one side would be this. Insecurities. Guys, on one side of the coin, of the coin of pride would be insecurities. Because pride always is about our insecurities. It's born out of our insecurities. And when I don't know who I am in Christ, pride is the first emotion 
that comes out. Insecurities on one side. The other side is this. I don't need help. I don't need help. Men are in a car. They're driving. They have no idea where they're going. Hey, do you want us to stop to get some directions? No, I don't need help. I am a human GPS. You don't realize what you're dealing with right now. You know what I mean? And that's it. I can take care of things on my own. I don't want you to know that I have a weakness. I don't want to ask you for help. Men, why is it we have such a problem of telling others when we are in need? Well, I think the reason why we struggle to tell people when we have needs is because we want to be the main character of the story. I want to be the main character of my story. We want it to be about us. We want to win. And when we don't win, we're angry. And when we do win, we're prideful. Because we want to be in control. We want to be the main character in the story. But men, I want to tell you this. Look here, if you haven't focused at all, just for a second. You are not the main character of your story. God is the main character of your story. And you can choose to live your life thinking you are the main character, but you never will be. There is only one main character of everyone's story, and it's God. And when we understand this, then when we turn to him and he's the main character, then we don't have to be driven by our emotions, but we can actually be driven by his spirit. Men, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that many of you have spiritual potential to do amazing things for God. That you can have character like no other. That he wants to use you in an amazing way. You can be a man of integrity. You can be a man who is godly. You can be a wonderful husband. You can be an amazing dad. You can be a man of God. The world has yet to see what God can do through one man who is wholly surrendered unto him. And you guys, you who are sitting today, you can be that man. Now, some of you, though, are sitting there, and you're like, oh, man, thanks for the pep talk. It feels good, but you don't know what I've done. I've blown it. I've messed up big time. There's no way that God could use me. There are some of you right now that you're sitting in secrets of darkness, and you're hoping in your mind, I hope she doesn't find out. I hope they don't find out. I hope no one ever finds out. Many of you look at something that you've done in your past and you think, there's no way I can rebuild this. There's no recovery from this. There's no way I could make things right. My kids will never look at me the same way again. And listen, guys, I just want to give you some good news today. That that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not your heavenly Father who loves and cares for you. If you're in need, and if you acknowledge your need to a holy God, He says that He will make changes. Today could be the greatest day of your life. I'm telling you. Here's kind of your take-home thought for today. 
Men, if you'll let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest need. If you will let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest need. And that's what we find happened to Samson. He's killed a thousand men. And then he's kind of like, oh, no, man, I am enemy number one. They're coming after me. They're going to take me out. And there is no one around to try to help me. And you're going to let me die, God, here in the desert of thirst. And here's what he needs. And this is what he does. He lets his need drive him to God. Verse 18, it says this, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. Now he's no longer prideful. He's humbled himself. And he says, you have given your servant the great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi. A miracle. Why? Because God is the main character of the story. And what does it say? Water came out of it. When Samson drank, folks, help me out. What happens? When Samson drank, his strength what? Returned. And he was what? He was revived. Men, when you return to God, Your strength will return. But it's not just a a strength that is on your own, but it's strength in your weakness. And you will be revived. In other words, guess what? You can become the man God created you to be. You can do amazing things for God. You can make a difference in this world. You can be a godly husband. You can be a godly father. You can be a man of God filled with character, filled with integrity. When you let your need be given to God, when it drives you to God, he says then, guys, hey, I'll meet your deepest need. Come to me first. Come to the main character of the story. And the good news today, guys, is that you can be that kind of man. For some of you, you've been going through life being led by your anger and your pride. And today, God says, would you give it to me? Would you let me move? Because the world has not seen what God can do through one man who is wholly surrendered unto him. But guys, you can be that man. 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 We're going to spend a little time in prayer. And I'd invite you to just close your eyes and connect with God for a moment. And if this whole God thing is new to you, if prayer is new to you, you can just kind of like just take a moment just to be calm and I'd like to pray for us Heavenly Father you who 
are the main character of every story. I pray right now that your spirit would move in the hearts of every single person who's here. I pray that you would come to each man to rise up to live with a heart that is after you and you alone. And today, both men and women, that if this statement is true about you, I really am more emotion driven. I'm driven by my anger and pride. And I am not being led by God's spirit. If you would say, that's me right now. I'm driven so much by my emotions. I'm emotion driven, not spirit led. Would you just raise your hand up? No one is seen. It's just between you and God. But as a sign of confession of saying, God, I don't want to keep doing that. God, I pray right now that with each hand lifted high, that God, you would forgive each person whose hand is raised. And by faith, you would bring them into a deeper relationship with your spirit today rather than their emotions. You can put your hand up. God, for every single person here today, we want to be different. But we need your help. Would you help us to become more aware of your presence in our life every single day, not led by our anger or our pride, but right here, right now, in this moment, God, would you meet the deepest need of each person in this place?